following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. All right. Let's take your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3 tonight. 1 Peter chapter 3. One verse, but not the only verse. Amen. 1 Peter 3, and then let's look at verse 15. Here the Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and a fear. And I begin to talk about, this is actually going to be the springboard for hopefully many different messages on different topics and, uh, but I'd like to begin to preach on uh, giving an answer to every man that asks you a question about life and eternity. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for the word of God. Father, thank you for the truth that we're going to be talking about tonight. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us. Father, you're so good to us. You love us even when we're unlovely. And Father, I pray that you'd uh, bless each and every member of our church in a special way be a help and blessing to them and whatever needs they have. And Father, Lord, I pray that you'd bless this time we look into thy word. Lord, help me to teach thy word. Father, help us to listen. And God, give us the grace to apply it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, giving an answer to every man that asks you a question about life and eternity. Now, here in our text, the Apostle Peter is exhorting these Christians concerning being ready to give an answer to those that would ask them a question concerning their faith in Christ, as it says here, be it but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer uh, to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We have a hope because Christ went to the cross of Calvary and we put our faith and trust in him. We have a hope that fadeth not away. Amen. And uh, so, um, <clears throat> but not only that, we want to go beyond just that question, if you will, and talk about other questions. As a matter of fact, we know that uh, God has an answer uh, for us. If you look with me to Genesis 41, Genesis chapter 41 tonight, and looking at verses 15 and 16, you know, there's lots of different questions. I, was, I thought about this because in, uh, in light of what happened, uh, even uh, I've been thinking about this, but even what happened today when somebody asked me a question and I was able to give a brief answer that, and then we moved into uh, talking a little bit about uh, being saved. And so in Genesis 41, and looking at verses 15 and 16, here the Bible says, And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. Now remember this in the Old Testament before God had completed his word. This is even before the the first writing of the first five books of the Bible with Moses, uh, God was speaking to man through dreams and visions. He's not doing that now. So if you're having dreams and visions, it's not the Lord. Amen. So I have people, I've had people ask me that and say, well, can you, can you help me? I've been having this dream. I had one gal I used to work with that was always talking to me about her dreams. And I finally said, you know, God isn't speaking to people with dreams and stuff. She, she almost got offended. And I, I just said, well, that's the way it is. And anyway, I tried to give her some Bible answers. But anyway, Joseph answered Pharaoh and said, It is not in me, 
God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. You know, the answers that men need, and God will give us answers for. You know, the questions of life, the questions that people have in Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. <clears throat> you know, a lot of times uh, uh, kings would, uh, call wise, would gather wise men from all over their kingdom to, to advise and maybe give answers to hard questions. And Daniel was taken in captivity and was in uh, Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, or, or excuse me, uh, 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 Belshazzar, if you will, but, uh, or Daniel, that's his name, never, nonetheless, but Nebuchadnezzar. But in Daniel chapter 2, looking at verse 27, Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, the magicians, the soothsayers show unto the king. Now, he knew they couldn't. Uh, the king had had a dream and he was upset and, and all the wise men, he threatened to destroy all the wise men if someone couldn't come up with an answer. And Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went before the Lord and said, Lord, give us an answer you know, or else we're, lest we perish. But uh, Daniel, is, he's talking to the king now. He says, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known <clears throat> uh, to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days thy dream and the visions of thy, uh, of thy head upon thy bed are these. And as for thee, O king, the thoughts came into thy mind upon thy bed, what should come to pass hereafter. And he that revealeth secrets maketh known to thee what shall come to pass. Here, uh, God, the God of secrets, reveals secrets to men, gives wisdom, interprets dreams when necessary. Look with me to Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. Deuteronomy 29 and uh, verse 29, here the Bible plainly says in, in uh, the law of Moses, in the last book of the law, it says here, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong unto us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. I've had people sometimes ask me different questions about, well, what about people? Are there people in other planets and everything else? I've said, you know what? If there is, it's a secret to us. I said, I've never seen it. We've never been able to prove any of it. We probably never will be able to because God has already re revealed to us all we need to know about life and eternity, life on other planets and eternity right here in his word. God has revealed it to us as only God can do. And he often works uh, through his word. If you look with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, <clears throat> <clears throat> and beginning in verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, the Bible says, But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit. He says, For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And again, this Holy Spirit is not, uh, is not a force, it's a person, he is a person the third person of the Trinity. He reveals, if you will, a secret things. It says, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things we uh, also, also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but uh, which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things, 
with spiritual, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit and his word. We have the mind of Christ on everything we need to know about life and eternity. The different questions that people will pose to us about these things. Look with me to Romans 16. Romans 16. And verses 25 to 27. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but is now made manifest, if you will, here's the secret, manifest by what? By the the, uh, scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known unto all nations for the obedience of faith to the only wise to God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever amen so we find that that God reveals uh, if you will to us the answers to life and eternity and uh, we need to know those answers if we can learn those answers so that when people ask questions of us and and they will be sure of it you know we'll be surprised sometimes somebody'll just come out and ask you a question and we want to try to be as ready as we can. You know, I remember years ago um, uh, as a young Christian going out on soul winning and, and you talk to people at the door. And boy, I tell you what, sometimes they ask some really strange questions. And I remember being asked different questions and I, and I didn't know an answer. And you say, well, that was terrible. You should have known. Well, sometimes we get asked questions because God's trying to say, you know what? You need to know this. And sometimes we're, we're asked a question, so we'll go and look for an answer to the question. And I determined, you know, every time I got, I'd, I'd get shocked and, and, and stumped and stymied at a door because of a question, I'd go home and, and, and I'd start looking in the Bible and say, God, show me, give me an answer. So the next time, see, because I wanted to be smarter than those people, right? It wasn't about just being smart. Sometimes they ask good questions and I didn't always have an answer. God wants us to have an answer, wants us uh, to be, try to be as ready as we can be. Now, again, we're going to find ourselves not being able to answer a question because we need to, you know, God says you need to know this. But look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, and look at verses 14 to 18, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Here, uh, Paul writing to Timothy giving instruction here says of these things put them in remembrance charging them before the lord that they strive not about words to no profit but to the subverting of hearers he says here study to show thyself approved unto god a workman that needeth not to be ashamed rightly dividing of the word of truth but shun profane and vain babblings for they will increase unto more ungodliness and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is hymenaeus and philetus who concerning the truth of error, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthroweth the faith of some. Now he says to Timothy to study, to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And we sometimes say, well, you know, preachers need to study. Well, you need to study. Amen. You need to study your Bible. You know, I was at lunch with one of our church members the other day, and uh, and this individual is telling me that the, they were saying, you know, I've been really interested in faith. And, the, and they said, I'm, I'm, I'm studying about faith. 
And, and uh, went on, this person went on to talk to me about some of the things they'd learned. They'd been studying. They'd been searching things out themselves. You know, you can get a, a take a, a concordance, Strong's Concordance, and that has every word in the Bible. And you can look up every word that has to do with faith and believe. All. And, you know, there's a lot you can find out sometimes on your own. Don't wait for the preacher to do it all. Amen. You know, sometimes Christians expect to be spoon-fed. And never have to go out and do a little bit of work to try to be fed themselves. Amen? So it's important to, at times to study so that, you know what? Well, we get an answer. I, when I first got saved, I used to bug my pastor to death. I used to call him all the time when I had questions. And I, there were times, I'm sure, when, when he heard my voice on the phone, it's like, oh, here he is again. Now, he never treated me like that. But... Uh, Sometimes I'd ask him a question. He'd say, well, we, you know, come and, and we'll talk about it after Wednesday night service or Sunday night or whatever. And the funny thing was, is him not even knowing the question would get up and preach on the question and answer the question for me. And I, I remember being so shocked. I was like, whoa, you know. But, you know, there, there came a point in time in my own life where I said, you know what, I've got to quit bugging the preacher. I've got to find out the answers myself. I've got to learn to read the Bible and study a little bit. This, this was even before I was called to preach. I mean, I felt the need uh, to, to find out the answers. Now, if you will, look with me to Matthew 15. Now, <clears throat> we have talked about this in the past by way of review. And because I was asked the question myself, Matthew 15, beginning in verse 1, we want to talk tonight about the question of Ash Wednesday. Is it Christian or not? And uh, we'll talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about Lent next week. And we're going to start talking about different questions. I had someone ask me um, a question um, just uh, uh, the other day. And eventually I'm going to talk about that kind of a question. As a matter of fact, I've even toyed with the idea about putting a box in the back, a question box. You have a question, pop in the question, and I'll avoid it. Amen. I'll do, I'll do all in my power to avoid the question. Now, I've thought about doing that. Now you say, uh, but if I do that, I don't want any dumb questions. I heard a guy say one time, well, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Wrong. Wrong. There are some dumb questions. So if we do that, I don't want any dumb. Do you hear this, Lane? Are you getting this? Amen. All right. But anyway, Matthew 15, and let's look at verse 1. Here the Bible says, Then came to Jesus scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem, saying, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they washed not their hands when they ate bread. But he answered and said unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, Whosoever shall say... To his father or his mother it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me. And honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, As people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines, uh, teaching uh, for uh, doctrines the commandments of men. Now, it was interesting when... This person uh, asked the question today about Ash Wednesday and if we observed it and what have you. And I, the first thing I said is, you know, I said I know a lot of churches that are observant and what have you. I said, but it's really a, a, a tradition started by the Catholic Church. 
And I said, it's not, it has no scriptural basis. I said, there's no command in the Bible. I said, it's just human tradition. And I said, a lot of churches observe it. And I said, we don't because we're striving to try to follow the pattern of scripture concerning these things. And I wasn't mean or nasty to him. And then it did lead into talking about salvation. But, you know, is Ash Wednesday Christian or not? You know, uh, a lot of people just take it for granted. I mean, this individual uh, took it for granted. He just assumed that it was a, a genuine Christian teaching. And you know what? We, we do have to be careful not to just blast people because, you know, when Jesus hung on the cross of Calvary, he said, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. A lot of people do things in the realm of religion just because they've been taught it. I mean, I've heard, I don't know how many different people I've said, well, they've said to me, well, I was born in this religion and I was raised in this religion. I'm going to die in this religion. And they don't want to question what they've been taught. You know, they might, they might be afraid to question what they've, they've been taught because for fear of finding out that maybe they've been believing a lie. You know, just because you hear it in church doesn't make it true. Amen? And uh, so many people deal with that, and especially... This, Ash, this issue of Ash Wednesday, I was, he was asking me, he said, you know, he said, normally they, they do this on our forehead. He said, but I don't quite understand. He said, he said I went to church early this morning at the, the 7 o'clock mass, and he said, he, he said they did something different. I said, well, what, what, what did they do different? He said they reached into a bowl, and, and they took the ashes of the palm leaves or whatever. They took the ashes, and he said they sprinkled it on our head, our forehead. I said, well, just be careful you don't comb your hair. <laughs> and he looked at me like, okay. <laughs> but the point was, as he said, I don't know why they did it. I said, well, maybe it has something to do with COVID. Maybe they're afraid to, 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 to be too physical with people. I said, I don't know. But uh, he said, yeah, maybe that's what it is. But, you know, and I'm not sure that he even understood why he does it. He doesn't know. I mean, he's just been doing it since he was, you know, little bitty. He grew up in the church. And uh, so many people do things for that reason because of tradition. And uh, here Christ in this particular passage is addressing the tradition of the Jews. As a matter of fact, you know, it was, it was interesting when I was talking to this individual today. I talked about how traditional churches can be. I said even the Jews. And that led me into being able to talk to him about Christ and salvation, what have you. But here, Christ is not commending the traditions of men, but he's really calling it in question. Here he says, uh, why, do you dis- uh, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they wash not their hands when they eat bread. And he says in verse 3, but he answered and said unto them, why do you also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? And so many people, I think if they, if they knew what the Bible said... They might be shocked at what they're doing and find out that maybe uh, some things are wrong. You know, there are some churches that do not emphasize using the Bible. As a matter of fact, they'll do everything in their power to steer people away from reading a Bible. And I think because they know if they do, that uh, they'll find out that what they're being taught isn't accurate. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a former Catholic this week who said to me, he said, you know, he said, I'm not even sure how much the priests knew when I was growing up and they were teaching me. He said, he said as far as I know, and I don't know if he had talked to a priest or whatever, but they, uh, he, oh no, he was recounting the fact that he had talked to a, a, a member of a, of a church who knew something about the priesthood. He said, 
that priesthood told this individual that when they go to, uh, to the seminary, they're only taught certain things that they want them to know. And this parishioner had asked their priest a question that he couldn't answer because he didn't know what the Bible said. And even they, they weren't taught that particular thing in their seminary. You know, so many people do what they do because of tradition, even in this, over the question of Ash Wednesday. You know, I originally looked it up in Encyclopedia Britannica, and Ash Wednesday, it's right in the encyclopedia, it says Ash Wednesday in the Christian church, the first day of the... Now, when it says the Christian church, he's talking about the Catholic church, generally. Okay. <clears throat> but he says the, the first day of Lent, it's the beginning of Lent, occurring six and a half weeks before Easter, between February 4th and uh, March 11th, depending on the date of Easter. In the early Christian church, the length of the Lenten celebration varied, but eventually began uh, in, it uh, began six weeks, 42 days before Easter. This provided for 36 days of fasting, excluding Sundays. In the 7th century, four days were added before the first Sunday in Lent in order to establish 40 days of fasting. And now they, and, and, and this is the, this is the thought. They're taking this practice supposedly from Christ's temptation uh, in the wilderness in, in Matthew chapter 4. But we'll go on here. It says here, in order to establish uh, 40 days of fasting in imitation of Jesus Christ's fast in the desert. It was the practice in Rome for penitents to begin their period of public penance on the first day of Lent. They were sprinkled with ashes. So, you know, I didn't realize this, but there, is, there was the custom of just sprinkling the ashes and, instead of doing the, the doohickey on the forehead. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, there was, they, uh, they were sprinkled with ashes, dressed in sackcloth, and obliged to remain apart until they were reconciled with the Christian community on Maudi Thursday. That's really a weird term, but uh, the Thursday before Easter when these practices fell in, can you imagine if everybody had to wear sackcloth with the ashes? Well, you know, it wouldn't be very popular if we had to do the sackcloth thing. But uh, anyway, <clears throat> but anyway, when these practices fell into disuse, the 8th to 10th century, the beginning of the penitential season of Lent was symbolized by placing ashes on the heads of the entire congregation. In the modern Roman Catholic Church, on Ash Wednesday, the worshipers receive a cross mark on their forehead with the ashes obtained by burning the palms used on the previous Palm Sunday. Worship services are also held on Ash Wednesday in the Anglican, uh, Anglican Lutheran, and some other Protestant churches. Eastern, or, Eastern Orthodox churches begin Lent on, Mon on a Monday, therefore they do, do not observe Ash Wednesday. Now... <clears throat> Is there any scripture supporting this practice? No, <laughs> none. And I, I explained that to this individual. I said, you know, I said it's a tr tradition that has no scriptural basis. And I said that the only thing they, that, it, that they seem to point to is Matthew chapter 4. Look that back to Matthew chapter 4, <clears throat> looking at verse 1, Matthew 4, and looking at verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now there's no command here for any special observance of this practice, okay? Nothing like that. There's no command. There's no 
spirit, there's no teaching here that people have to do this and all, all the different things associated with um, <clears throat> Ash Wednesday. As a matter of fact, you don't even see the term Wednesday mentioned on the day of the week. Look with me to Deuteronomy chapter 8. He's referring to <clears throat> the importance of the Word of God. Deuteronomy chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 8, because remember, this is the only scripture they had was the Old Testament scripture. Genesis to Malachi, or Malachi for you Bible scholars, amen. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 1. Here the Bible says, All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years, in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Again, he's emphasizing the importance of the word of God, but there is no command for an observance of a, of a particular ceremony like Ash Wednesday and Lenten observances. If you will uh, look back to uh, do, excuse me, Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4 and uh, verse 4, Matthew 4, actually in verse 7. <clears throat> Again, Jesus said unto him, It is written, Thou shalt not tempt of the Lord thy God. And then verse 10, and then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Now again, Christ is emphasizing the importance of the word of God over everything that goes on in our lives. You know, in our text in Matthew chapter 15, when the Jews were holding up traditions that they had added to the Jewish worship, worship, the Lord said, hey, wait a second. He said, wait a second. The important thing is not your traditions, but the word of God and the commandment of God and what the Lord wants us to do. Psalm 119. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Psalm 119 and verse 105. Here the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, folks, to get... uh, to know whether we're on the right path and doing what we ought to be doing, we need the light of God's Word. Amen? We need to know what the Lord says, what the Lord wants in our lives, not, not what uh, tradition teaches. You know, I, I gave him as an example. I said, I, I said, I think every church has some little bit of tradition in everyone. I said, even we as Baptists. I said, you know, we worship the Lord on the Lord's Day, the first day of the week, Sunday, because Christ rose from the dead, and then we see that it's spoken of in the New Testament as a day in which they worshiped. I said, but you know what? I said, we have three services on Sunday. I said, I can't tell you why. I said, I can't tell you why. And I said, I can't tell you that it absolutely has to be that way. I said, it could be a measure of tradition that's caused us to do that. I said, but... We, 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 uh, we know that it's the day in which we should worship the Lord and we want to spend more time with the Lord in worship and studying his word than less. And I said, that's uh, some of the impetus behind what we're doing. I said, but you know, 
The idea of three times could be very well just be a tradition. I don't know. I said, but it's not a bad thing. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's not something that somehow is contradictory to the Scripture. And I was trying to give him the idea, help him to know that, you know, every church has its issues. I said, being a Baptist isn't going to get anybody to heaven. And we're not perfect, but we use the Word of God because it's light for all that we do. If you will uh, look at uh, Psalm 119, 130. Psalm 119, uh, 130. You know, sometimes I think we're, if we're not careful, we're afraid to admit that maybe we're not perfect. Amen. That maybe we do some things that we don't know why we do them. Psalm 119, 130. The entrance of thy words giveth light, it giveth understanding unto the simple. If we want light on, on what God wants from us, what we ought to do, how we should behave for our life and eternity, we need to go to the Word of God in Isaiah 8. Look at me to Isaiah 8. <clears throat> and let's look at verse 20. The Bible says that to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Meaning that when, when people are taught things that are not found in the Bible, they're, they're not teaching light. They could be teaching tradition and tradition that's steeped in darkness. Darkness of ignorance. Amen. And so it's important that we know what the Bible says. In John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. If we want the truth on what God wants for us in our lives, our behavior, and eternity, we have to go to the Word of God. Look with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Say, I know where you're going. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And look, if you will, to verse 13. The Bible says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God wants us to have all the knowledge and information we can get to be able to be like the Lord, to, to be able to live a godly life and to serve Him. And those things are found in the, uh, the inspired Word of God. And for us as English-speaking people, I will say it plainly, the King James Bible is the preserved Word of God for us as English-speaking people. Look with me to Matthew 22. Matthew 22. <clears throat> Matthew 22 and then verse 20. Uh, two. <clears throat> Matthew 22 and verses 22 to 33, the Bible says, And when they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. And the same day came to him the Sadducees, which say there is no resurrection, and asked him, saying, Master, Moses said, If a man die having no children, his brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there were with us seven brethren, and the first, when he had married a wife, deceased, and having no issue, left his wife unto his brother. Likewise, the second also, and the third unto the seventh. And last of, the woman, last of all, the woman died also. Who wouldn't after seven husbands? Amen. <laughs> anyway, um, 
Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? For they all had her. Jesus answered and said unto them, Now remember, the Sadducees were the liberal wing of the Jewish nation, the Jewish religious leadership, and they didn't believe in the resurrection. They simply didn't believe in it. So they posed a hypothetical question to somehow, uh, we're going to befuddle Jesus. We're going to get him mixed up. He's not going to be able to answer this. Well, what is his answer? He says in verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. See, they had traditions, they had philosophies, they had ideas, but they got into trouble because uh, they, they were in error. You know, even the most well-meaning, sincere people sometimes are just simply wrong. They're in error because they don't know what the Scripture says about these things. And it's not because they mean to be in error. It's not because they're, they're dumber in a box of rocks. We're not talking about that. We're talking about sometimes the fact that the churches that they go to do not emphasize the Scripture and knowing what the Bible says and things like that, and they find themselves in error because of it. And so it's important. You know, folks, we need to be ready to give an answer. We need to know what the Scripture says as much as possible. And again, we're gonna, there are going to be times where we're going to be challenged with a question that we don't know. And let me say this. If you don't know and you want some help, don't be afraid to ask me. Amen. I'm not, I'm not saying that you can't ask the pastor. And I won't say, what? Why did you ask me that? Unless you're lame, I might say that. I'm not going to say that to you. Matter of fact, there have been a lot of people very patient with me in my Christian life that answered questions. And sometimes you need help. But, uh, you know, so we can know the answers. Look at me to Acts 17. Acts 17 and verse 10. Acts 17 and verse 10. <clears throat> and, and the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who uh, coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were, uh, were so. Therefore many of them believed also of honorable women which were Greeks and of men, not a few. You know, it's sad, but I mean, these people, because they, they not only heard the preaching, they heard it with an open mind and an open heart, but they went home and they got out their Bibles and they started looking at what they were taught. And they said, wow. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lo and behold, the truth that they preached to them, they went back to the word of God, found it was so, and then some, and they got saved. Amen. Because of the truth. Now, there are a lot of churches that don't emphasize the Bible for reason. Because they're really not as concerned about souls. They're, they're, sometimes they're concerned about controlling people, keeping them ignorant so that they don't know. And it's sad, you know, when, when uh, I was talking to someone recently about salvation, and uh, this person said to me, I want to know I'm going to heaven. I want to know that I'm saved. And I thought, hallelujah. I mean, they wanted to know. And I said, listen, you can know. And we took the scripture and, and showed the individual. You can know. The Bible says, and look with me to 1 John uh, chapter 5. 1 John 5. <clears throat> and if you will, look with me to, uh, to uh, 
verse 11, and this is the record, speaking of the Bible, that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The life he's speaking of is eternal life. And he says in verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you may know that you may know that you have eternal life. Amen. What a blessing when someone is asking a question and they're saying, I want to know. And we can show them that they can know. God wants them to know. He wants them to know sometimes the answers to certain questions because maybe in the course of answering the question, you can share the truth with them or what have you. And and, and who knows? Look with me to uh, John 4. John 4. And let's begin in verse 1. John 4, beginning in verse 1. And when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself baptized not, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, and into the parcel of ground which, that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus in the well, and, uh, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which, is a, uh, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now you know what? Here's the question. Why are you asking me for water? You know, the Jews don't have anything to do with us. From that question, Christ began to preach the gospel to that lady, and she got saved by the grace of God. You know, one of the amazing things, folks, when sometimes people will ask a question, and they're searching, even though they may not even realize what they're searching for. In John chapter 3, and verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now he's coming to him, he's, he is expressing himself. He's expressing what's going on in his own mind and heart. He's saying, you know, there's something about you that's so much different, much more different than all the religious leaders. And I mean, it's obvious, I mean, God's working in you. And without, maybe he doesn't ask a question, but the question's there. Who are you? What's going on? And Jesus goes on to teach him how, what it is to be born again. And Nicodemus got born again by the Spirit of God. Later on, is even trying to defend Christ as he sat on the Sanhedrin, the council of the Jews, when they sought to, to find fault with Christ and destroy him. He defended him. All because of a question in his heart that was answered by God. You know, folks, there are people asking questions, going to ask us questions. We need to be able to try to answer their questions. And knowing, you know what, folks, be sure of this. You're never going to do it perfectly. Christ did it perfectly, and some people still didn't get saved. Salvation is a choice of their own. We present the truth. We try to answer the questions. We do the best we can. And then somewhere along the line, and I don't, sometimes I don't know why, People get saved. (laughs) People get saved. John 5 and 39. 
John 5 and 39. <clears throat> this is what I meant to read the other day that I left out. I got the wrong chapter. But it was okay. John 5 and 39. Jesus said this, Search the Scriptures. From them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. And you will not come to me that you might have life. I mean, again, Christ plainly says, Search the Scriptures. And he's talking to the Jews. People who know the, knew their Bibles. And yet didn't know God. You know, I, I, I remember years ago I ran across a guy. Man, he could quote the Bible backwards and forwards. I think he could do it in his sleep. I mean, he just, you talk to him and we talk about it. And he's just quoting scripture. But you know, and, he, and the right scripture, the right version. But he believed baptism saved him. He believed baptism saved him. And in the course of talking to him, I found that out. I was shocked. I thought, this can't be. This guy quotes scripture like, you know, I was amazed. Even ashamed because I couldn't do that. But he wasn't saved and I was. For all of the scripture that he knew, he didn't know Christ. And the scripture is important, but sometimes he needs someone Sometimes people need someone like you and I to try to help answer some questions that they have and they don't even realize they need answers for. Amen? You know, don't, listen, don't sell yourself short. God can use you to help reach out to people and maybe answer some questions in a way that the Lord can use so that they might be saved. He says in verse 40, and you will not come to me that you might have life. Wow, what a... What a an indictment of people that were rejecting Christ in the face of the truth. But for all the truth they had, there were questions in their minds that when even answered by Christ, didn't make a difference. It does in some people's lives. <clears throat> Look with me to Luke 17. You know, Lent was supposed to be a time, like they said in Rome, of penitence for sin and wrongdoing you know there's a scriptural way to deal with that and luke 17 and 1 then uh, said his disciples then said he unto his disciples it is impossible but that offenses will come but woe unto him through whom they come that were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones take heed to yourselves if thy brother trespass against thee rebuke him now it doesn't mean go and just chew him out okay it's not what he's saying. Go chew them out. No. Tell them what's wrong. Amen. <clears throat> Tell them of the offense. And if you repent, forgive him. And if you trespass against thee seven times in a day and seven times in a day, turn again to thee saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. You know, that's, that's the way to deal with offenses between Christian brethren. And that doesn't mean that, you know, if, again, if somebody looks at you wrong, at me that oh it's terrible remember years ago uh, a preacher in church got people to want and he was trying to get help them to get over the problems that were going on and he created a problem everybody was running around telling everybody everything they didn't like about each other talk about chaos talk about chaos i thought wow and he started that <laughs> and i was like oh no then he had to get up and kind of clarify what he meant it's, it's settled people down, but he, you know, look at Ephesians 4. 
There's a way to deal with offenses and problems between brethren. <clears throat> and I don't, think the, I don't think the preacher meant to do it that way, but it just seemed to turn into that. Ephesians 4 and 32, And be kind one to another. It means be nice, amen. <clears throat> Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven. You know, folks, talk to people. If they've offended you, talk to them. Try to get it worked out. Amen. Deal with the offense, the sin. We're talking about sinning against you. Not looking funny, but... Well, maybe looking funny classifies for some of you. But anyway, the need for forgiveness. And then 1 John 1, 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> and look at verse 5. <clears throat> Bible says, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is a light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all say, sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Now, you know what, folks? If we do wrong, we sin against God. You know something? Go talk to God about it. Confess it, repent, confess it, and ask God to forgive you and get up and go on. Amen? God will forgive us. And sometimes we all do some pretty dumb stuff, sometimes rotten stuff. And thanks be to God that his forgiveness is just as eternal as his love and so many other attributes about him. Amen? What are we talking about? Well, we're talking about Ash Wednesday. We're talking about whether it's Christian or not. What we're really trying to get at in one sense is beginning to talk about being able to answer the questions that people are going to have. Trying to be as prepared as possible and knowing that sometimes you're going to be asked a question that you don't know an answer to. Go get an answer. Amen? So the next time, and maybe, you know, maybe you can go back to that person with an answer and say, you know, I found an answer to this and share it with them and help them. And who knows, maybe they'll even get saved. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com. Thank you.